BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous day so far. If you're looking for just a really real conversation that's going to cover all the bases and just feel very relevant and relatable, congratulations, because you've clicked on the perfect episode. This convo today was just so fulfilling and helpful in so many ways. We are joined by Erin Traylor. She is the founder of Raw Beauty Co., a company whose mission helps women live from a place of self-love. You might have seen her Instagram before. It's at Raw Beauty Talks. It's so inclusive and empowering. One of my favorite accounts. Erin's work has been highlighted in the Los Angeles Times, Marie Claire, and Elle magazine. She battled her own eating disorder, which is what inspired her to found Raw Beauty Co. and also her signature program, the Raw Beauty Reset, which is helping many people, including Caitlin Bristow, find freedom from their battles with eating disorders and their bodies and overall recharge and reset their mind and body. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to this special reviewer whose name honestly is frightening to me. It's Saves Spiders, but that's okay. I'm not going to judge you. I love that you save insects, even if they really scare me. But Saves Spiders left a five-star review that says, every time I see the next episode in my feed of RealPod, I get so excited to be inspired by the unexpected. I always learn something and always find something that speaks to me. Victoria shared some helpful resources I didn't even know were out there, and it's helped me tremendously with my body image struggles. Your five tips for intuitive eating episode was just what I needed, and I seriously might replay it weekly to give me the inspiration that I need. Those two season a K. <laughs> yes, those two season a K. Inside joke from that episode. Save spiders. Thank you for this review. I love that you enjoy every episode and are moved by the unexpected. I think that's Something we try to do here every week at RealPod is bring you conversations from all different people about all different things. But at the end of the day, show us that we actually have a lot in common with each other. 
So thanks for this review. It truly has put the biggest smile on my face today. If you want to be like safe spiders and go leave me a review on iTunes, that would mean the world and really help out the show. It's one of the best ways to support the podcast. I would love to hear from you and really appreciate each and every one of you who come back to listen to the podcast every single week. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday. We have so many fire episodes coming at you for the month of September. You don't want to miss them. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode on burnout, disordered eating, and recharging with life coach and founder, Aaron Traylor. Aaron, I'm so happy to have you here. I feel like when I think of my IG besties, I put you in that category of just like, she gets it. Same messaging. I feel like always commenting back and forth. Like I know you. So thanks for coming on the show. I always like to start with just like a, a how are you, but a real, like a, how are you really? So give us the tea. How, thank you. First of all, for having me on your show. And I completely agree. I feel like there are women in this ethos that are all speaking the same language and doing our best to show up in are very different bodies and very different lives to support one another and the community of women around us. And so I feel so lucky to be, you know, doing this work with you. It's awesome. How am I? How am I? August, September, 2021. I am honestly, it kind, I kind of feel bad saying this, but I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's great. I'm doing really well, but it, it sometimes feels hard to share that when it feels like the world around us is crumbling. And so, you know, me and in my little bubble, everything is, is honestly, it's, it's going pretty great. However, I'm a really empathetic person. And so seeing everything that's happening in the world around COVID and politics and world matters, I feel this like global warming. I mean, my gut feels sick by all of it, mm-hmm. and distraught and helpless at times. And so life is good and life is also hard and challenging. And I'm feeling all the feels like everybody else. I'm so thankful for your honesty because I think this issue in itself is something that a lot of people struggle with, especially right now. I had a therapy appointment last night on the phone and I remember prefacing it with like, this is such a first world problem. You're going to roll your eyes that I even had to make a session about this, blah, blah, blah. And my therapist goes, Victoria, you live in the first world. So these are your problems. And I just like had to take a beat and acknowledge that. And then also, I mean, I, I know you can relate to this. Your whole life and what you do is designed to help others. Like you went through something hard. You don't want other people to go through that. So you've created this amazing community to help and to serve. And, and I feel like I've kind of been trying to do something similar. Obviously I'm much farther behind where you are, but I had this conversation with my little brother recently of like the overwhelming sense of like, do I hop on a plane and fly somewhere and like try to fix things and and insert myself, but also taking that deep breath and being like, okay, I'm trying to help with another issue in a different pocket of the world. And as long as we feel like we are giving in some way that we can, that has to sometimes allow us to go to sleep at night. Like I'm trying to do a good thing here. I can't put on a superhero cape and fix everyone's problems, even though I wish I could. 
I, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there in that one of the things that we know brings us that true deep happiness is being of service to others and looking outside of ourselves to the world around us and really showing up for our neighbors, our community, our kids, our family members. And I feel this so deeply in the work that I do. I'm so privileged and lucky to be so passionate about something and then to also be able to make that my work. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that I'm not seeing what's happening over here and seeing these Afghani families that are struggling and seeing other world matters and not being touched by those. I have this conversation with my husband all the time where he will, you know, see me listening to the daily or flipping through the news. And he's like, oh, God, here she goes. He knows how ramped up I get about all of these issues and how how much it pains me to see other people in pain. But one of the things that I've really had to learn over time is how to draw some boundaries to maintain my own mental health so that I can truly show up to make change in the world in the way that I want to. When we're depleted, when there's nothing left in the tank, when we are anxious as hell, which is something I've struggled with my whole life, when we are depressed, it's very hard for us to show up to light up those around us. And so that's not really helping or serving anybody. So one of the things that has been hardest for me, but that I've really had to learn is how do you set those boundaries? Um, how, so, and how do you fill your own tank so that you can show up in the most meaningful, impactful way for those around you? I love that. I, th- I think it is something I need to, you know, think about doing more because if not, you just constantly, you know, it's like everything's leaking out the back because you're not really protecting your cup or your energy or your space. However, what about those thoughts that creep in of like, well, there are people in the world who can't, like they're living in it, right? Like that whole, it's a privilege to be able to turn off the news and not be living in the news. So how do you cope with that? Oh, it's not easy. I mean, I have nights where I am tossing and turning and crying, like, over what they're going through. And then I have to go back to what I call my personal nourishment menu. Those things that nourish me, that fill up my energy tank. Have you read the five love languages? Yes. You know how they talk about having a love tank and you fill up your love tank. So I like to think of all of us as having our personal energy tank as well, like this barrel of energy. And we have things in our life that deplete our energy diet culture, hard conversations that don't go anywhere, people who belittle us. I mean, there's a million different things, tasks that we don't enjoy doing that, that drain our energy out of that barrel. And if we can take time to learn what fills our barrel and to make space for those things in our life, then we have more capacity to handle the thoughts when they creep in. We have more capacity to handle the anxiety when it starts to show up um, because we're not as depleted. So for me, one thing that I find really helpful is ensuring that I'm clear on what gives me energy and giving myself permission to take the time to do those things. And that's everything. I mean, let me tell you, my list is long of things I've recognized Mm -hmm. now that nourish me. And it's not to say by any means that I'm doing all these things every day, but I can go to this menu that I have and identify what it is that I need in certain moments in order to fulfill me. Sometimes it is time with girlfriends. I had the most amazing, you know, night out with some girls last night. So fulfilling to my soul. 
But other times I need alone time. I need to sit on the couch and watch too hot to handle and totally numb out and just like press pause on everything that's happening around me. Sometimes it's yoga. Another time it's going for a run therapy. I mean, all of the different tools that we have go on this menu. So, I mean, I think one thing is really getting to know yourself and understand what fills you up and nourishes you. And then therefore makes you less vulnerable to that catastrophic thinking or, you know, the thoughts that start to bleed into every aspect of our life. That's been really key to me. Another thing that is so simple that, you know, I've now been, I should, I say it's simple. It's so not simple. It's like the most unsimple thing, but (laughs) learning to meditate and practicing mindfulness has been huge for me. When I think of mindfulness, it's consciously bringing your attention to the present moment and being in the present moment. We spend 70% of our time either forward thinking or thinking about things that are in the past. And that kind of thinking is a huge catalyst for things like anxiety and depression and spiraling. So when I start to notice my thoughts going somewhere other than the present moment, especially if they're thoughts that are harming me. And this relates to the news, comparison, body image. For me, the body image piece isn't as much of a struggle, but I'm noticing a lot more thoughts around aging or I'll see a picture and I start to like, oh my God, do I need an eye lift? Should I be getting fillers? Like these kinds of thoughts start to creep in. And so rather than continuing down that spiral and playing and engaging with those thoughts, I'll simply label them thinking thinking thought. It's just a thought. It's a chemical reaction in my brain. And that little word is enough to stop the thought in its tracks and give me a moment to become conscious about whether I want to continue to engage in that. So labeling it thought, thinking, thinking thought, whatever comes up, that's going to stop you. Do I want to further engage with this? Is this form of thinking helping me? And if the answer is no, then I bring my attention to the present moment. And I find that the best way to do that for me in a really tangible and very tool-based, like give me the tools, how do we actually apply this work, is to go through the five senses. What do I see right now in my room? What's the light doing? What color is the wall? Where's their dust? <laughs> What's going on in here? What do I hear? What do I see with my eyes? Can I taste anything in this moment? Can I smell anything in this moment? Come into the now where for the most part, many of us are lucky to be safe and we're okay. And, you know, there's nothing catastrophic that's happening. So when you notice those thoughts that are starting to spiral, remember it's a chemical reaction, most likely a patterning, something's triggered it. Take a breath, label it thinking thoughts, and then come back to the present moment. That tool is actually something that was the most helpful for me when I was dealing with my anxiety was like, I always used to go to what is the loudest thing I can hear right now and what's the quietest thing I can hear right now. And you really just lock into what's happening around you. But something about the present moment that, you know, I I never really verbalized this before, but it's been hard for me to get present recently. I got engaged this past weekend. There's so much going on. I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm shocked. Like every, it's the best ever, but it's like, when you get into the present moment, that can be scary too. Whether there's so much love in the present moment and you you feel unworthy, whether there's so much quiet in the present moment and you feel alone. And 
also too, as human beings, I almost think we like come out the womb on like a conveyor belt or in like a construction line, right? Woo. Okay. You're going to be the next football player. She's going to be a supermodel and you go to first grade and you know, you go here and you come home and you have snack. And like, I remember when I went through like my first big existential crisis in life, I was like 18 in college. And I was like, oh my God, we were all just born to like go to school, to make money, to die, you know, like what? And so I think in the present moment, I think the reason it can be really hard for a lot of us to just be there is because we have that voice and that urge to do the next thing, get the next thing. And I know personally, it is so hard for me to stop achieving. It is so hard for me to take a beat. You know, everyone on social media right now has been telling me, take a break. It's okay. Like, we'll be here for you. Enjoy your life. And it's very, very hard for me to do that. But something that a mentor told me yesterday on the phone, which was a great piece of advice career-wise, because I was like, look, I feel burnt out. I feel like I want to enjoy my life. I feel like I want to be present with my loved ones. I'm not feeling like sharing a lot. And he said, that's okay. The goal isn't to gain two followers tomorrow. It's to be in a position to do that in 20 years. Or he said, the goal isn't to put out content tomorrow, but to be in a position to put out content in 20 years. So it's a long-term game. And I thought that was so helpful to hear. It's brilliant. And you're not alone. We all feel that sort of inner pressure to achieve. We turn on social media, which is always in the palm of our hand. And we see everyone doing 5,000 amazing things and the highlights of their life. And then of course, as human beings who compare and want to figure out where we fall in this whole scheme of things, it just further perpetuates our need to do, 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 be, 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 gather, 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 define ourselves, put these labels on ourselves. I think everybody feels this pressure right now. And a lot of people, I mean, I see in my practice, so many people right now are burnt out and not just from work and pushing themselves that way, because there are so many things happening in the world that are, are draining us, that are pulling from our energy tap, that feel scary, that are unknown. And so it's, I mean, it is a moment I think where burning out is, is terrifying when you live in this world, because holy shit, like you actually might have to stop and rest. But I think as well, it's a big wake up for a lot of people where there's a possibility to notice what's happening. And before you get there to say, okay, how am I going to write this ship? Like, how can we prevent falling to the bottom of this hole and instead start to float? And for me, that all comes down to knowing oneself, understanding what nourishes you, understanding uh, when to push on the gas with work. Because my guess is, Victoria, you probably find a lot of fulfillment as well from work. And if you were just to quit it all, you'd probably be depressed and like have lost a sense of purpose. So that's not an option either. Well, it's so funny you say that because like with the whole engagement weekend happening, and I'm actually glad this will be coming out not next week, but the following. So it'll be still recent for everyone. But I remember like posting about the engagement and I got other photographer sent the pictures. I was so excited. We posted, but then I was like, everyone's like, how do you do it? What does the ring look like? Blah, 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 blah. And I just, I was like, everyone's still here. My family's still in town. We have an engagement party. Like I don't have time to post. And then Saturday night, I 
finally told my family, I'm like, I love you guys so much. I got to go upstairs for an hour. I got to upload all these pictures and I got to share. And then my brother's girlfriend, you know, she works a completely different job than me. I know when people are on the outside looking in, they're like, oh my God, that's so fun. Like you get to do this for a living. And I think for her, she, we had a conversation about this. It was the first time she was like, whoa, like, you know, you have to like share, pause your life and share your life. And that can maybe not be fun sometimes. And I was like, you know, it's a tug of war because I genuinely am obsessed with my followers. I freaking love them. The people that listen to RealPod, yep, you right now, I love you. And I want to share. I, I mean, they are my friends. They're my people. Yeah, you want to but, tell your people. Right. But then there's there's also the like, you know, that's that's a lot of people that you have too. So yeah, I mean, there's always a balance. And you're right. Like no part of me, does, I love this. But at, like everyone in life has their quote unquote cons or things they have to deal with or navigate through. And I think that's the reality of everything we do in life. It's just like what situation has the ones worth working for or the pros that are so beneficial, they outweigh the possible small downsides. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole thing has been a whirlwind. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As you guys heard in the beginning of this episode, I recently went to see my therapist and that was actually my second meeting with my therapist from BetterHelp. I'm a big advocate of therapy and BetterHelp offers professional counseling done securely online in the comfort of your home. I usually take the appointments from my bed. If you go to betterhelp.com slash realpod, they will assess your needs, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationships, trauma, grief, family conflicts, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. You can message your counselor anytime and get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without having to sit in a waiting room, which those were always so intimidating. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. I actually love the counselor I got matched with right off the bat, so I will not be changing. But good to know you could because it's so important to have a counselor that you really relate to and feel comfortable with. BetterHelp is more convenient and affordable than in-person therapy and financial aid is available, making it even more affordable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. So if you want to start living a happier life today and talk to someone, you can get 10% off your first month as a RealPod listener by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash RealPod. Something else I was going to say is just the way that you are aware of your personal energy tank you spoke of and understanding your boundaries and what fills your cup. I always love pointing out to people that flawless, educated, self-aware, mindful people like yourself weren't born this way. They went through something. They had to wrestle in the trenches with something that propelled them on a journey to seek out and learn and practice the tools that make them the way they are now. So I almost think it's the perfect little pin to stop this conversation in and ask you if you're willing to share kind of what you went through as a young girl and a young woman. Of course. And of course, the journey, if you will, of learning how to draw boundaries and 
learning how to nourish myself, A, it's not perfected by any means. I don't live in a sterile bubble. It's I'm always walking the line of, <laughs> I, I mean, I posted something about this yesterday, walking the line between self-care and total self-destruction. I seem to be most comfortable walking that line. And <laughs> so I, my story in this area started around the age of 15, 16. I was really into dance and doing hours of dance a week, um, spending a lot of time looking in the mirror. And dance is all about perfecting the move, perfecting the body. So you become very aware of what your body looks like. And I was obsessed at the time with reading 17 magazine and YM magazine. And I saw what beautiful girls looked like. I saw what successful girls looked like according to the media and those magazines that were in every store that you went to had a lot of advice about how to be healthier, prettier, better, and, and more perfect really when it comes down to it. So my little perfectionist brain that was navigating a world full of unknowns that just wanted to be good, that wanted to keep the peace in my house, started to follow these tips and tricks. And what really truly began as just wanting to lose a couple pounds, like I've always been a tall, thin girl. I wanted to lose a little bit of weight on my hips. I had this cellulite there and most people would be like, you don't have cellulite. I saw the cellulite, it was there and I wanted it gone. And so I started cutting out fats from my diet, which at the time were being demonized and counting calories. And within four months, I'd lost a significant amount of weight. And I'm not going to share the weight or the numbers because we all know that can be really triggering to people who are still struggling with this, but it was substantial enough that I lost my period. And I went from getting straight A's to really finding it hard to focus in school and to maintain attention. And eventually, I mean, at first, you know, my mom was like, are you okay? You seem like you're taking all of this a little bit far. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm just trying to be healthier. And I'm, I just want to be the best dancer that I can be and the best at school that I can be. You guys are the crazy ones for eating butter and olive oil and all that stuff. And so I mean, very quickly, it got to the point where everyone realized I had an eating disorder and I was eventually diagnosed as anorexic. I ended up spending three months in between grade 11 and grade 12 in a hospital program in BC. And I was in the inpatient program. So you leave home, you go live in this hospital room with other girls who are struggling with eating disorders. So that took you away from dance. So what was your... What was your mind? Like, how did that even happen? Because you, did you realize this has gone too far and I can't do the thing I love? Or were you so unraveled in, in, in this eating disorder that you didn't care about dance? It was a bit of both. A lot of women who have eating disorders struggle with body dysmorphia. I, interestingly enough, could see that I was too thin. I had started to have to wear two pairs of pants to be warm. I was frustrated that I couldn't perform in school or dance the way that I wanted to. But at the same time, that eating disorder voice was so loud. That was like, don't eat now. You can have something later at that birthday party. And then the birthday party would come and it would be like, don't have that. That's too many calories. I mean, my mind was always counting calories and obsessing over food and planning what my next meal would be or wouldn't be, or how to get around that. I also had a, I have two younger sisters and it's important to acknowledge as well that when someone has an eating disorder, it's not just affecting that person. This was deeply impacting my whole family. I became, I mean, it makes me honestly really emotional to think about it. I became 
awful to my younger sister, who was a year younger than me. She was born even thinner than I was naturally. And I would obsess over her gene size, what she was or wasn't eating. I would sneak out of class and break into her locker and find out if she had eaten or not. She wasn't thinking about food in the same way. She was off playing soccer and like just was eating very intuitively. But I was like, if she's not finishing her sandwich, then why am I being made to finish my stuff? This isn't fair. I'm not being treated properly. I mean, the eating disorder voice took over everything and it ruined everything. I still, I'm 36 now, haven't gone back to dance. And I, that's, you know, one of the greatest loves of my life. Don't get me wrong. I dance around my kitchen, like a mad woman. And I'm the first to throw down moves at the club, but like actual (laughs) dance, that was it for me. That was, that was all that ended that portion of my life. So it was not easy. And I remember being very conflicted because I was like, I hate this on one hand and yet terrified. I mean, I just wasn't going to give it up. I was like, I don't have, I don't have a problem, even though I knew I had a problem. And what's the alternative? I was so scared of gaining weight. And that voice was just so loud. It it felt insurmountable. Eventually my dad and I have a really close relationship and he didn't get the eating disorder at first. He was like, maybe if you just go to the gym and work out more, you'll have more of an appetite. Was, was his suggestion? Oh gosh. Daddy-o. Daddy O. Not <laughs> quite. Not quite. But, you know, and he was really truly just thinking like, what will get her appetite back? And so one day he sat me down and he was in tears and he's like, we need, I need you to do this for me. I need you to go in and get better. And so I agreed to go in, I think for two nights or something like that. And within that very short period of time, I could feel a release from that eating disorder voice. What's crazy to me now with the girls that I work with and with so many people that I hear from, a lot of people don't have access to programs like this. I mean, I was living in the city where this world-class treatment center was and in Canada, healthcare is free. So not free, but you know what I mean? So it wasn't like my family had to take out a second mortgage or send me far away to get treatment. I was so lucky. And that just isn't available for so many girls. We know 70% of women struggle with disordered eating of some kind, 10% of those, an additional 10% end up with eating disorders. And there just isn't the treatment available. Plus we live in this world that's so heavily influenced by diet culture that for that large portion, 60 to 70% who are struggling with disordered eating, it's just ridiculous because it's sucking the life from us. It's decreasing our mental capacity, decreasing our energy. It's removing our ability to focus on these big world issues that desperately need women to, and our energy and our capacity and our nurturing, caring, smart minds to tackle. And we can't because we're distracted by fucking how many macros are in that granola bar we just ate. And on that exact point, a really empowering thought that I've seen. I mean, this wasn't something I had even thought about when I was like trying to heal from my binge eating, but I've seen a lot of feminist accounts slash like movement messaging talk about how society has like gotten women obsessed with how they look in the mirror. And I think there's this quote that's like, 
society wants women to face the mirrors instead of the world. And when you just think about how we are literally raised to look and present ourselves a certain way, I mean, being a lady, like what did being a lady mean? The first word that comes to mind is beautiful. It's not strong. It's not smart. It's not powerful. Care. It's beautiful. And I think that like for anyone who just, you know, when you think about it that way, it's like you're joining forces with women to feel empowered and realize that that's not, you know, your worth. And also when you mentioned the magazine thing earlier, the crazy tips and tricks, I read once when I'll never forget where I was when I read this thing and I'm going to share it. So if anyone is listening to this and they think that they want to skip ahead, just skip ahead but I'm just going to share this because, you know, I think about it all the time. I was reading a magazine at a nail salon and I remember one of the tips was when you're breathing, when you're breathing, breathe and inhale and expand your chest instead of your stomach so that when you're standing around, your stomach can look smaller. So this tip, and I remember sitting in the nail salon thinking, how do I breathe? How do I breathe? I'm sorry. This is the most fucked up thing ever. And I'm thinking like, oh, well, when I breathe, I inhale my stomach expands. So I'm like, I'm like trying to breathe for, of course, after like 10 minutes, I'm like, I can't do this. But the fact that that was in a magazine, how we breathe, we should breathe differently. I can't, I can't. Same. I mean, honestly, it's like, stop eating, just eat cabbage soup or just drink tea and become as small and as quiet and as docile as we can possibly be. Think about where that's going to take us. And this isn't a hit against anybody who has tried a diet because I've been there, thought about getting plastic surgery because I've been there, done Botox, done that actually. I mean, it's not a hit against any of the things that or the individuals or the women who are being influenced by these things. But in order for us to create change, we have to have these conversations so that we can wake up and see what's happening to us so that we can wake up and understand that when we're pumping seven plus billion dollars into this beauty industry, that's seven plus billion dollars that we as women could be spending our money on elsewhere on big world issues. And if that feels too far gone and, uh, you know, not satisfying enough, there's just like our education or there's so many different things. And I'm not here to stand on some pedestal and be like, we shouldn't spend any money on makeup as I'm wearing mascara and have Botox in my forehead and a cute outfit on because I like fashion and clothes. But I want to have these conversations because there is a balance and there is a tipping point. There's also a certain amount of money that you can, and time and energy that you can invest in those things that feels good and aligned for you. And then we all know there's a place where it's gone too far where we've crossed the line and it starts to feel out of alignment. And we know it's out of alignment because we feel more anxiety. We feel depressed. We feel disconnected from ourselves. We don't feel a lot of joy in our life. And when those things start to show up, it's a really beautiful signal or beacon or light reminding us, okay, go back inwards. Something's not in alignment. Let's figure it out so that we can get back on track. Thanks for being so candid and sharing the Botox and you know, that you mentioned a little bit earlier how aging is impacting you. And I think that's really powerful because there are a lot of, you know, movements towards being positive about our bodies and just this very like body love, body love. And I think that 
that aging love is like this next thing that we're waiting for this these people to kind of get older and then they can like, you know, spearhead that movement. But what has that been like? Because I always think about how, you know, one day I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm just going to be older. And, you know, like when did you first start? Was that like a whole second thing you had to navigate after you got through your body struggles? I'm still navigating it. And luckily I have way more tools so that it hasn't been something that has you know, become something that I think about every day or that I'm constantly worried about. Most of the time I feel good. And I just don't, I don't know. My focus isn't on my body and my appearance. There's so many other things that fill up my life, but yeah, I have moments when I wake up, especially when I was a new mom where I would, I'd look in the mirror, Victoria, and I'd be like, who is that? Where did I go? Like, where did these circles and these lines? And I just look exhausted And those thoughts would creep in and I would feel them. And as a new mom, I was also struggling with postpartum anxiety. I was incredibly fatigued for me when I'm not sleeping properly, when I'm drinking, when I've had too many coffees, all of those thoughts that we talked about at the beginning, I'm just so much more susceptible to them. My fearful friend, as I call her, she is like loud and at the front and center. She is, you know, she's there. And so those thoughts, they pop up. And in some moments, I'm very conflicted on this, to be honest, I have acted on them and I've had Botox maybe four times in my life. The first time I did it was when I was 25 and I did it preventatively, which now I'm like, Oh my (laughs) God, what I went and spent at 25. I probably had like $500 in my bank account. I went and spent all my money getting preventative Botox and it looked awful. I remember I couldn't like move my eyebrows at all. And then after that, I started raw and, and it all started with this interview series where we featured over 200 women without makeup, photo editing or filters. And I, I didn't do it for a long time. I was loving seeing the lines on people's bodies and their faces. And then, you know, you, you have kids and I had another one of those moments and it's in these moments that I then go act and get the Botox. And to be honest, like I, I do like it. I feel good when I have it, but it's one of those things where I was just talking about, like, is it in alignment? It's not perfectly in alignment in alignment for me because I feel so conflicted. It's like, I wish I didn't have to do that. And I didn't do it and just age gracefully and completely own it. But I also have moments when that, that same voice, I guess, is the eating disorder can get kind of loud. And I just act on it because I can, and it's easy and it's done. And then carry on. That's so fascinating. Seriously. Like I, I hear you on the tug of war between, you know, wanting to empower people to be beautiful in a raw way, but then also thinking, well, this makes me feel a little bit more confident. And I think at this stage in the world, we're at a place where it's just like, let women do whatever the hell that they want. I think that's like where we are now is like, who cares? You know, and I have friends who, you know, get their eyelashes done or they get Botox or whatnot. And I know they're always like afraid to tell me. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, good for you. I'm like, you could get whatever you want, you know? Um, Also too, like, for example, like I had a friend who got a nose job and it's like, 
I feel like I did get a nose that looks close to the beauty standard. So I didn't get put in a position where I would even understand the insecurity surrounding a nose. And if people might make comments, like I just can't even have an opinion there. Like whatever makes you feel good, then that should be what a person does. You know, it's so, it's so complicated. I agree that this isn't about women hating on other women for the choices that we make. And the best thing that we can do is hold space and compassion for other women and their choices. We don't know what roads they're walking. We don't know what thoughts are going through their mind. We don't know how the decisions they make might change their life. If somebody gets a nose job and all of a sudden feels so much more confident and is able to go after that job that they wanted or that relationship that they we're too nervous to go after. Who are we to say, no, 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 that's wrong. But at the same time, it's, I, I feel for myself, it's very important for me to continue talking about it and to show up authentically and to say like, Hey, Victoria, I've done this. I usually feel a lot of guilt after I feel like it's hard to talk about it. I feel a bit two-faced because on one hand, I'm telling people like, let's work towards loving ourselves fully and wholly and embracing parts. And another part of me is like, holy shit, I'm getting the Botox and this world is too scary. And this helps me feel a little bit more safe. And, and, you know, like, but we, at the end of the day, we all have both of those voices inside. And there's two really important things to this whole complicated conversation. The first being we have been for years brainwashed. It's been hammered in our heads that there's a certain way to look. It's very hard to just completely forget that. I mean, it's very hard. Even like when we talk about makeup, like if I didn't wear makeup or brush my hair or like quote unquote care at all about my appearance, I mean, my family would just think you have bad hygiene. They would think it's disrespectful. Like there's just certain things like you know, I've just, I've just been raised to, I feel a little bit better when I put some makeup on, I brush my hair and I put on a cute outfit. Like, I don't think that's ever going to change for me that I'm going to want to wear a a paper bag and like not brush my hair. And then I think the last thing that you just said, which is by far the most important thing is the transparency. It is admitting, being honest about what you're getting done. You know, like I think when we talk about Kardashians or celebrities, I do not have a problem with them getting plastic surgery. I don't. Like I just said, they can do whatever they want to make them feel better. I can imagine how it would feel if I grew up the way that they did. However, the problem comes from, I got this from Kale and working out. I got this because I work hard. I got this because X, Y, Z. You didn't. So just be honest about the fact that it came from something else so that, you know, my old 15-year-old self or whoever is that now isn't reading the magazine that now says this is the workout and eating regimen because I know there are people out there who are so innocent and they're following it and they're never going to get that butt because guess what? It came from a Brazilian butt lift. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, yes, preach it girl because ain't that the truth. I mean, and there's another whole facet to this conversation, which is that a lot of the health and wellness industry is built on the bodies of women who genetically are born having a certain frame. You and I are both in small bodies, whether there's wrinkles or cellulite or whatever it is, we are in, we're white women in small bodies. And some people could follow the exercise regime and eat exactly what we're eating 
and their body would never look the same. Genetically, we are all born into different bodies. There isn't this one size fits all just eat this way, exercise that way. And you're all going to look the same, but the health and wellness industry is set up to have people believe that if they follow this thing, then they'll look a certain way. The reality is, is that then people try these diets that 98% of them don't work. And they're a long-term predictor of weight gain. They feel like shit because their body doesn't look that way, or they lose the weight, but it's not sustainable. So they feel like a failure, their self-esteem lowers, and it creates this toxic cycle where then they are on to the next diet. Then they're on to the next exercise plan. And so it's not to say that exercise is bad or that anybody who's in the health and wellness industry is bad, but we have to recognize that the people who sort of rise to the top, even you and I just having this conversation right now, it's partially because we are noticed because of the skin color that we're in and the body type that we have. We're more visible. We have a bigger platform. And so for me, I've had a lot of moments of reflection of how do I help create space for other bodies? And that's why on our Instagram feed, we, it's, it will always be imperative to me that we're not, it's not just my body that's seen, it's going to be a wide variety of individuals and that we're continuing to hold space for different bodies. It's not fair and it's not right, but having conversations about this, recognizing our privilege, talking about it, and then creating space for women, um, different skin colors, backgrounds, and body types is really important, I believe. So freaking important. And that's one of the reasons I love your page is it is just, it feels like everyone is on that page, which is why I love your Instagram account. And then also on this note, this is something I was talking to Sarah Nicole, our beloved birds papaya about this recently is, are people intrigued and open to intuitive eating because I'm saying it. And because there is part of them that thinks, oh, I might look like her if I am an intuitive eater. And I'm like, you know, I have to recognize that when intuitive eating is said in the exact same way by someone else who looks farther from the Eurocentric beauty standard, they're not getting that same acceptance and like open-minded response. So it is so important to recognize that as much as we are in this space, like we're not the people who need the attention the most. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Speaking of your Instagram, speaking of helping people, I know that you have the Raw Beauty Reset and all of your amazing um, coursework coming out soon. Would you mind sharing with people who have fallen in love with you how they can get involved and work with you? Oh, I mean, I I would love to. I think after recovering from my eating disorder and being hospitalized, I came out the other side and had this meal plan and this very specific way of continuing to eat that wasn't intuitive at all. And I followed it for a bit. And then I started to slip back into some restrictive behaviors. But this time I found myself flipping the other way afterwards. And I would find myself anytime that I was alone, binging on food, literally eating boxes of cereal, then going through and finding like the gnarly stuff that had been in the freezer, like that random lasagna, baking the lasagna, eating the whole lasagna, crying the whole time, then being like, okay, which drive through can I go through? I mean, I would completely lose control and feel so ashamed, so guilty, so disgusting. Uh, I would then like not want to hang out with people and isolate. And of course the next day it was like, now you have to work out twice as hard. Now you're going to eat clean. This is the last time this is going to happen. Um, and I found myself in this cycle for quite a long time 
from the outside world looking in, you wouldn't have known. I was going to work. I was showing up here or there. You would probably be like, this chick has a bit of anxiety, but nothing major. There are so many people living in some version of that cycle where they are trying to eat clean, finding themselves overeating at night. And maybe it's not to the extent that I did it, but like, why I'm not that hungry. Why am I, why do I feel like I eat so much in the evening or when I'm by myself, why am I eating so much? And then feeling so much shame and guilt and just not really seeing an end to this. So I was in that space and I started working with a life coach myself. And it was the first time that rather than digging into the past and trying to figure out what went wrong, somebody sat down with me and said, what do you want your future to look like? How do you want to feel in your body? When you picture your best self, what's going on for you in your life? And then let's start working from where you are now to get you to that place. For me, that felt really exciting and really different. Okay. I have something to work towards. I have a goal. That's not just focused on the weight on the scale or my gene size. And it really was the catalyst to a whole new way of showing up for myself, for my body in order to reach this like vision or goal that I had for myself. I started raw beauty talks as an interview series. And that interview series led to over three or 400 conversations over the course of three years. This was back in 2014 when not a lot of people were talking about this stuff. And I reached a point of burnout after two or three years where, and I'm one, I'm almost thinking that you might be kind of hitting this point where I was like, I can't talk to another woman who is struggling <laughs> in her body, who is struggling with her relationship with food and can't see her strength and her power. Can't realize her dreams because these things are holding her back without having some tools to help her. Like I'm, this is exhausting. I'm just like carrying the weight of all these stories, but there's nothing to help me move forward. So I, I thought about, do I become a therapist or do I, you know, I mean, do a million different things, but where I landed was health coaching. It was one of those things. It just spoke to me. I wanted to become a health coach because I want, I knew that my own journey to being quote unquote healthier had led me down this deep, dark spiral. And so I wanted to be a health coach so that I could teach women a more holistic, intuitive approach to health and wellness. It's my non-diet approach. And so I created a program about three years ago. We've had over 800 women go through it so far. It's called the raw beauty reset. It's a mind body reset, 12 weeks where we focus on four key pillars, nourishment, movement, mindset, and self-love. And we're going to be running a reset with Sophie Jaffe, who's absolutely amazing, starting September 26th. It's a combination of online courses and learning modules and live group coaching calls. I'm so pumped about it. Sophie's an incredible coach herself. She's a life coach, a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher. And we're doing, this is like a one-time only special uh, reset with her involved as well. And we just bring together this incredible community of women who are like, I'm done with all this BS. I want to learn how to eat intuitively. I want to learn how to build an empowered mindset where I, this like voice and self-critical thinking isn't so loud. And I want to figure out how do I fill that energy bucket that we were talking about earlier? How do I love on myself in a way that will allow me to show up to my greatest potential? So we have 
a ton of fun doing it. And um, I actually put together a free webinar. It's called Five Steps to End the Battle with Food and Your Body. And it's totally free. I'll share the link with you down below and people can, you know, tune into that. And just to kind of hear a little bit more about my process and the way that I work as a coach and this non-diet approach to health and wellness. Absolutely amazing. And so exciting because I think people listen to podcasts and they're like, I love this guest. I'm so inspired. What do I do next? And here you're like, girl, I got you. Like whoever it is, we got a course, we got a program. So I'm super excited um, that you were able to kind of share that with us. And yes, everything will be linked in the show notes, you guys. So if you're interested, you can check that out. Erin, thank you so much. I loved this conversation. Truly. I feel like we went so many different places that I needed to go today just to feel refreshed. So, I mean, you're amazing. You seem like the greatest mama too. like what lucky little cuties. And thanks for just, I feel like you're like my IG mom too. I'm like, thanks for always being so sweet. (laughs) Oh, I just adore you. And I can't wait to see how you are going to take all of these learnings and all these moments that you're going through right now, you're so incredible at just giving, giving, giving. And I know this is really just the start for you. It is Mm -hmm. 20 years from now. You are going to be, I mean, in really incredible places, but you got to take care of yourself along the way. This is a marathon, not a sprint. You See, know look, it. you guys, this is my you IG mama. It. Look at her. <laughs> Thank Come you hang so out with me. I'll much. be everyone's IG mama. Oh, <laughs> yay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.